Hello, saucers, and welcome to episode 25 of the Sauce Podcast. This week, we have the female founders of Bybee Beauty, a vegan, cruelty-free skincare line. Meet Dominica and Elsie. They join us to talk about when their side hustle became their full-time jobs. They dive into many excellent, excellent topics, such as how they built Bybee from their kitchens into now a global brand. We talk all things working two jobs in the very beginning, the partnership between the two of them, getting millions in funding, and juggling motherhood. Yes, their babies were born just weeks apart. These women were an absolute joy and are two female powerhouses. We hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues turned friends who have worked together at the same company for nearly 10 years. Molly and I were born three weeks apart on opposite coasts of the U.S. And while we are nearly the same age, today our personal lives are quite different. And while we share the same job title at work, our paths to getting there have been quite different. Join us each week on the Sauce Podcast where we will share tips, tricks, and lessons we've learned together over the last 10 years. We both say it's our shared values of hard work to always do our best with a little bit of za that has led us to both our friendship and professional success. We hope you tune in each week, enjoy, and have a little bit of fun with us along the way. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Maul. We have guests on the sauce today. I know. I'm so pumped. Yeah, we have. And that is plural. So it's um, this, uh, this episode is launching the day after International Women's Day. And we figured why not invite two boss women on the, on the, mm. on the podcast. Um, as I've talked to, and Mal, you and I talked about this, we've talked to friends, we've talked to one another about, we like our jobs, but what if we wanted to start a side hustle, a passion project, um, similar to what the sauce is for you and I? Um, and so we figured why not invite two women who started a side hustle and then it became really real. And so they share their whole story about starting the side hustle and what it looked like when it started to become real. So Dominica and Elsie from Bybee Beauty. Yeah. They, they were so incredible and I can't wait for everyone to get to know them better through this interview. So Liz already said, Dominica and Elsie, they are the co-founders of Bybee Beauty. This all started in 2017. They were both very into health and wellness um, before they started this incredible company and they each wanted to find skincare with natural ingredients. And so they built a beauty insiders blog. They ultimately published a book on vegan beauty products. And then they started Bybee, which has received millions of dollars in funding. And while they didn't give us specific details, they do actually share some insight into the funding journey, which was um, a really interesting thing to hear more yeah. about. Additionally, though, not, you know, they're incredibly, um, just inspiring women and moms and co-founders, but the product itself is is also really special. They are pro-planet from seed to, to shelf. And so Bybee is fully committed to producing skincare with the lowest possible environmental footprint, utilizing only low-carbon production processes. And not only are they focused on helping your skin and your body healthy, but also the planet. And I 
thought this was one of the most interesting things we talked about because you can tell just it's such a deep part of their mission and again, why they decided to start their own company and fulfill their dreams. So Bybee Beauty is the world's first carbon negative skincare product and you feel good about what you put on your skin as well as your impact on the planet. Yeah. It, I mean, well, it's incredible what they've built and they're trying to be a negative carbon footprint, one of the first beauty brands out there. But they were two women that were so well-spoken mm-hmm. um, and their story was just like nothing stopped them. It's just straight determination. And we yeah. talked about a few different things. They had babies very close together as the two founders as they were building this business. And it's just like, and this is how we handled it. And this is how we move forward. It was inspiring. So I yeah. hope saucers, you all enjoy this interview. I will end here and always remember saucers to be bold. And always eat dessert. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Dominica. Hi, Elsie. We are thrilled to have you here today at the sauce. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> We're Thank excited you for being be here. here. Thank you both. Um, so let's get into it. Talk to us a little bit about Bybee. Tell us your story. How did it how did it start? How did you two meet? Let's start there and then how this business got built. Yes, would love to tell you the story. Um, it's a, a one that we tell fondly um, because I feel like we, yeah, we have a really nice start to the business. Um, so Elsie and I met working together. Um, we met working in advertising, um, advertising sales. So we're salespeople through and through. Um, interestingly, we started quite on different paths, but ended up having quite similar career histories. Again, both in sales, selling all sorts of things. I used to sell credit checking software and classified ads and Elsie used to, <laughs> to sell uh, vending machines and coffee machines <laughs> and then great, great experience. recruitment. Um, so I think the the nature of being a salesperson lends itself very well to entrepreneurship. And I think it gives you a really good work ethic as well. Um, so that's one of the first things I noticed about Elsie um, was her really steadfast and professional work ethic. Um, and it was one of the main reasons why um, I really wanted to partner with her as a business partner. Um, but we met in um, probably about 2013 when we both joined the same company at the same time called Yumi. Um, and yeah, we just we just hit it off both in a professional capacity, but also a personal one. So we became quick office BFFs. Um, and we bonded over many things, including uh, a shared love of health, wellness, fitness, um, and our kind of general well-being. So we started a kind of endeavor into, um, you know, eating better, exercising, understanding how mm. that all benefited our bodies. And then as a natural extension of that, um, really started to think about our beauty, both being massive beauty junkies, um, but wanting to, I guess, you know, do better, have better, use better for our skins. Um, so that was really where the journey started in 2015. Um, and that looked like a blog. So we started that old fashioned thing called a blog um, called Clean Beauty Insiders. Um, it was really centered actually around making your own skincare using food. Um, so that was a, a, an exciting kind of endeavor we pursued um, off the back of obviously all the things that we were doing around food and eating clean and um, eating better. Um, we were thinking about how we could apply the same rule of thumb as we were for the food. Um, could we quite literally apply that to our face? 
bodies and hair yeah. to get the same benefits. Um, and the yeah, we saw we saw pretty incredible results. So I think that's what propelled us to continue our endeavors, particularly around natural formulations as well. Um, but we ran that blog for a couple of years. We had a book published by Penguin. We had um, you know workshops. We monetized that platform. Um, and then, yeah, about two years later, we decided to quit our full-time jobs, um, turn our side hustle into our full-time hustle and launch Bybee, um, Bybee Beauty, which is um, our main business proposition today. Great story. I know. And so I, incredible. <laughs> so incredible. I was just going to say to the point of when to know it was time to quit your jobs. That has to be this big kind of like leap of faith moment um, where you're saying this side hustle is no longer going to be that. I am I'm going all in. We would love to hear just how that process looked and when you knew. We get asked this quite a lot. I mean, it, you know, it was five years ago now, and I will say we haven't looked back um, since we quit. You know, it was the best thing that we've ever done. Um, and But it is the scariest thing as well, um, probably the riskiest moment. I think for us, we had, there were a few things at play. So um, we had started to be able to prove our revenue streams. And actually, at that point, multiple revenue streams. So um, there were a number of ways that we were monetizing the content that we were producing through, you know, events and and the book. Um, and then, you know, we we had this this idea of the product line in our head as well. And I think we'd started to identify how we could really produce that. So we weren't sort of like, yeah, we'd we'd spent time building it up, and we knew that if we were quitting the full time jobs, there were um, imminent, um, revenue streams that we could, we could draw upon. Um, and we'd had the time really to, to prove out our concept as well. Um, we could see that there was an appetite for what we wanted, what we were doing. Um, and then I think that balanced with, um, also just, it got too much. Like it, we, you know, we had pretty full on sales roles. We had, we both had revenue targets on our heads. Um, so we were working seven day weeks. Um, and, you know, luckily we had like, you know, oodles of energy being in our mid twenties. Um, we were saying the other day, I don't know how we would have done it now. Like I don't, <laughs> would have been quite tricky. Um, but we were, yeah, we were, we were working, you know, day job in the day, um, sneaking like bits of clean beauty or Bybee stuff at lunchtime and then finish like working on, um, clean beauty in the evenings and then all, all throughout the weekends as well. And it just got to the point where we weren't doing anything particularly efficiently and neither had our best, like, you know, most constant concentrated interest we were doing both the day job and the side hustle a little bit half-heartedly because we didn't have enough time to give one and that for us was just um yeah like not like neither of us felt like proud of not being able to give it our all and we were ending up just not doing a very good job of either so there, there did become a moment where um that was really sort of prominent and on our minds um and then i think thirdly we got ourselves financially to a position where we would be able to um leave our full time roles and not pay ourselves a salary for the first year um which we both sat down had a conversation like a very like grown up conversation about if we were going to enter into a partnership then we needed to come in on equal terms and we both agreed what we would feel comfortable with by way of like amount of savings, what we would put into the business and how long we would not draw a salary for. Um, and we we kind of agreed that um, and yeah, came at it very equally. So we both saved enough. We gave ourselves a date and we'd saved enough and we'd save 
the same amount. And that was really important as well, because then we had some time to build up the um, business without um, making kind of like, you know, pressured decisions based on quick, making quick bucks, because we both had that to fall back on for the first year of the business. Very incredible. And I, I just want to highlight, you know, the very grown up decision of sitting down and kind of agreeing this is what each of you are willing to contribute. And these are the sacrifices you are willing to make. It seems like that would require just such an immense amount of trust and accountability to one another as partners, right? You're, you're really depending on one another that you're agreeing to this and each of you are going to hold up your end of the bargain in terms of savings and in terms of what those sacrifices look like. So just, I I can't imagine that has been easy. And it sounds like you, you know, had that direct conversation of this is what, you know, success is, is going to look like. And man, just hearing that story is, is really phenomenal. And just again, congrats to you all, because it seems like that was the right, the right choice to make five years ago. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It did. You know, these were conversations that we weren't used to having. And, you know, we'd we'd had time to work together. So we understood and appreciated each other as colleagues, which Dominica kind of explained earlier. So there was that level of like professionalism to our relationship, which enabled that conversation to be a little bit easier. I think if we'd been like, best mates since childhood maybe it would have been a little bit harder because we didn't have a work context to our relationship but actually I think that really helped but yeah I mean um it's it's tricky there is also as salespeople, you get used to running you basically run your own book of business and you're incredibly independent with your working style like we both were anyway you know you kind of like as a salesperson it's like here's your target go off and do it so we were forced willingly, but the coming together as business partners, we were forced to begin to thinking as a, as a duo. And yeah, obviously like to begin with, that wasn't, it didn't come naturally to either of us. So there was a lot of like learning and understanding each other and getting to know each other to a level um, that, you know, I, I know Dominica better than I think probably next to as good as I know my husband yeah <laughs> like really I don't like and then you know the, and then my best friends or whatever my closest friends like, I know Dominica like better than them because I spent so much time like we spend we spend we've spent pretty much every day together for the past five years so it's you know a, a business partnership takes as you say trust um communication um, and you really really have to work at it as you do with any relationship but I would wholeheartedly say there's no way I would have done it without Dominica like it's just I don't know how soul founders do it like props to anyone listening that's a soul founder because it that is that is tough I, I mean that's a great to hear because I think just hearing this this is what I think to stop and say it's incredible what you two have been able to build together because there are so many layers you're running a business but also there's a partnership and a relationship here and I think that that's partially why it is scary for so many people to take a leap whether with a partner um, or solely become their own entrepreneur so I think it's incredible what you have been able to build and where you've been able to get one question as we've been talking that I was thinking about you kind of mentioned you have sales backgrounds. It sounds like um, LC also some recruiting. As you're building this business, you are potentially recruiting for people. You're selling your product. You're designing the product. I think I read somewhere that your bottles, you wanted to make them bright and fun type of bottles or your containers. You wanted to make um, the brand kind of bright and fun. If those were the words that you used. But I guess, how did you guys figure out who does what role as you were building this? Um, and as you either how either yeah as you built this how did you figure out who did what role 
Yeah, I don't think we ever like sat down and said, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Yeah. I think at the start, everything was so joint and we really had to work together because a lot of the stuff we were doing was brand new. So, you know, obviously we had worked in sales, but we'd never done marketing, we'd never run a beauty company before, we'd never yeah. created a product, we'd never formulated a product, we'd never sold into retailers. So everything was new for us. So I think in that capacity, we thought, okay, let's put two heads together in order to um to make decisions so we were both very heavily involved but I think over time our natural skill sets began to emerge in terms of not only what we enjoyed but also what we had like a natural flair for and I think at the start we weren't really able to sit down and do that exercise because there were so many new things that were coming our way we weren't able to really you know, foresee like, oh, actually, you would be really great at this, like speaking to this manufacturer or negotiating these prices or actually setting up logistics, you know, because kind of like, we just go do it. Like, yeah, yeah. you just got to go do it. And then whoever kind of hates it the least just ended up leading it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And now, obviously, you know, after five years, you know, our roles are more defined. I would say we're definitely more aware of what our skills are and how we can separately drive the business forward. I think the nice thing is that we're at a size now where we aren't really in the execution or day-to-day of the business, which means that our roles are less important in terms of you're doing operations, you're doing finance, you're doing marketing. Like we have heads of all of those departments and people that are far more qualified than us to be running those departments. So awesome. At the moment That's a great place to be, yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing because actually for the first time, we're able to really take a step back and take a really strategic view on the business without being caught up in the day-to-day execution, which has been super difficult for us um, up until really, you know, about 18 months ago, a year ago. Um, so, and actually, you know, I know we're going to jump to this, but, but both of us having kids and being forced to step back from the business for a a period of time, not a long period of time, but a a short, a long enough period of time that, you know, our jobs had to be picked up by someone else, I think was a pivotal moment, um, in, uh, yeah, in really like taking us out of the business and putting us on the business, which is, is probably the like number one downfall of a founder, led business, not being able to strike that balance. Um, And also it's a massive time sink and actually not very cost efficient. If you think about the value of us as individuals spent, you know, like signing off social posts or like, yeah, going and negotiating, you know, logistics contracts or whatever, you know, that's not a very like cost benefit ratio that um that a lot of businesses are able to to find so I think we're in a really good place there but yeah to to answer your question our roles are quite fluid we have a view over everything and then we have our core kind of specialities and now places of enjoyment where we want to spend more time in the business because that is what we really personally enjoy as well um so you know just to to loosely give you an idea of what that looks like LC um is heavily leading our creative um so that's visual and comms um, and obviously you know a lot of marketing falls underneath that um, and then I would say I'm a, a slightly kind of in the commercials so I really enjoy revenue financials you know looking at where we can um, drive further business and drive the top line um, but that's not to say that neither of us are not involved in in the other it's just a, a passion point I guess for for each of us. 
Yeah. And that feels really special that you've kind of each been able to, to your point, while it's fluid and again, your partners and you're, you're equally committed to building the business, you each do have your areas of strength and your areas of passion that it seems like you're able to really cultivate in what you take on and, and own. I'd love to just spend a moment talking about having children and, you know, being business owners, being entrepreneurs. And I believe your kiddos came very close to one another in um, their arrivals. So, you know, we've spent a, a little bit of time on the sauce talking about, you know, my own maternity leaves and what being a full-time working parent can look like. But I can't even imagine, you know, doing so when the business you are building is your own. And really, you know, again, the stakes just seem pretty high. So if you'd be open to telling us a little bit, how, how did that look and how did you know, you know, how that would work? What would the right time be? How to lean on one another? We'd love to hear. Yeah, uh, we had, um, we both had boys uh, seven weeks, um, within seven weeks of each other. So yeah, it was super close together. Um, and obviously that wasn't planned. But, um, and at first, you know, when we first were kind of discussing, okay, right, we're both pregnant, we're probably both going to be out at the same time, like this is a bit alarming. Actually, the way it's unfolded has was probably the best that the situation could have been because the empathy that we have for one another is like endless because we just know what the other's going through. And I think that, and I don't mean to say this in like, oh, if you're not a mum, you wouldn't understand because that's not what I mean. But the the like sheer fatigue coupled with the um, responsibility of running a business are two quite like intense things that not there aren't many people that you could go to who have experienced it quite to the same degree other than each other so it just means that if one of us has had like an awful night the night before or baby's throwing up and we've got to run to nursery and collect him then the other has like loads of sympathy and I think it would have been that way even if we hadn't both had them at the same time but um perhaps the patients may have started to wear slightly thin of the one who didn't have the kid um which is yeah so I think it actually has worked out it worked out really well um so we uh Dominica gave birth in December of um 2020 and me of me in January 2021 and we had about seven weeks out of the business. Maybe I had eight weeks, Dominique had seven, um, and then came back in um, in a kind of part-time capacity and gradually built back up to full-time. Um, but realistically, like we were back in the business full-time after a, a few months. Um, so there wasn't a great deal of maternity leave. Um, I think that we, you know, I, I, I speak for both of us. I, I think we we feel fairly similarly about this. It just would have been very, very difficult to to remove ourselves from the business for any um, any period longer than that. As a founder, you it, it's very hard to remove your 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 head from the game. Um, you know, there's the newborn phase at the beginning where everything's a bit fuzzy and like you're yeah you and that's fair enough. And and we managed a few weeks of that before it was literally like checking back in. Okay, so what's going on with this? You know, did this deal come in? Why? I've just seen this email. Like, what does this look like? You know, it, you can't help it as a founder. Um, and that's a, a, a tension that I think will always be with us for as long as we've got the business. Um, so I don't think we would have had it any other way. I don't think we necessarily would have had longer maternity leaves, you know, given the chance. Um, and actually, I really appreciated having this kind of gradual introduction back into work, um, rather than 
the current structure for people, you know, who take a chunk of maternity leave and then they literally bam, they're back in five days a week. You know, this, it was quite nice for us to build it up. Um, you know, we both had the boys at home, working from home, obviously, because of the pandemic. So it meant that, um, you know, you'd have a, you know, days of calls, but, you know, you have lunchtime with the boys and yeah, you, you weren't kind of commuting in and out. So actually this the kind of like flexible approach was was really nice. And I think, it, um, yeah, if I, you know, if or when I do it again, I think I'd probably follow something similar. Um, the experience itself has been incredibly challenging. Um, I think also um just the timing generally so obviously like pandemic last year um you know difficult for any business in terms of trading and then we also decided like just casually to launch into target in the us into 1800 stores literally on the 17th of january my son was born on the 20th of january it was like you couldn't so there was so much going on with the business so much um we recruited quite heavily we we were raising investment we 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 raised a round of investment whilst both pregnant and then we both had babies and you know had a bit of maternity leave so it it's yeah it's been it's been a, a huge juggling act um it's it's been a massive learning curve it's put some things into perspective maybe helped us both get slightly better grasp of work-life balance um but it, we're really tired um but you know we've also got great children and I think it's really helped us to want to drive a culture that's really supportive of women um being able to have children but still um still continue on in the trajectory of their career, which we both now feel really passionately about and are exploring ways that we can really support our works works force um in terms of yeah enhanced benefits and um and helping them with childcare kind of post baby baby landing and just yeah it's it's really like given us a new lens I think on the challenges that um come with being a mother in the workplace and we really want to do everything that we can to be a business that that really supports women there. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing. And I love the fact that, you know, you kind of reflect on maybe we wouldn't have planned to have babies seven weeks apart, but in hindsight, also to your point, allowed you to have a lot of those shared experiences, compassion and empathy for one another because you were living through it really, you know, at the same time. It just, um, you know, one thing I'm reflecting on and hearing that is how amazing it is. Again, you all have created this, this organization and this culture, and now you're able to be mindful of the benefits and the opportunities you're going to offer, you know, future parents that work for you. But I think it's also just a reminder for all of us that, you know, people have things going on in their lives outside of work and whether or not you have the exact same experience yourself or you're living through that on your own, it's just such a good reminder to, you know, all of us show up with compassion and really try to understand where people are, you know, in their in their journeys because work is a part of it. But, you know, we also have life outside of work. I think as well what's um, been one of the advantages, I guess, you know, not that there are any advantages of a global pandemic, but I think businesses are now understanding that work doesn't just happen between a nine to five and actually people can take ownership over their day and still deliver the results that they need to deliver. And I think we know that from ourselves, but we also now really believe that in our team as well. And I think that benefits everyone because, as you say, it's not just families. People have many other commitments outside of work that don't always suit a nine to five time schedule. And what you're doing by not accommodating for those 
um, is, you know, is not giving opportunities to people that could potentially really add value um, to your to your team because diversity, as we know, is a big topic and diversity comes in many shapes and sizes and backgrounds and diversity is so important to every business and by having a really rigid approach to the way that you try and um, run your workforce doesn't you know tend to accommodate diversity Um, so I think for us it's just really important to yeah as you say be sympathetic be empathetic and understand that um, people when they care and they're passionate and they believe in what they're doing will get the job done um, and we certainly know that from our own our own lives and and we've seen that from you know working from home and everything that the pandemic has thrown at us so and I think that's a really important shift for businesses generally um, because the nine to five five days a week in the office model is gone um, but I think that's for the best in in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. And Liz and I have talked about a couple of times now, the idea of, you know, the silver linings of the pandemic to your point, you know, we don't want to make light of all the challenges that it, that it brought. But I think this is a really good point of just, you know, giving people kind of space to work in the dynamic and the way that works for them based on what they have going on in their lives. And to your point, as long as the job is getting done and the results are, are, are being delivered, you know, maybe we can give people a bit more freedom to do that and work asynchronously based on what their life can can really support. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think as there are more women as, you know, we've had this big push, you kind of mentioned diversity, Dominica, but over the past 10, 20 plus years or so, you know, maybe 10, 20-ish, more women are getting into leadership, founders, entrepreneurs type of roles, right? And I think I commend the both of you for saying we've been through this and we've had children and now we want to figure out a way to help our workforce also start their families and see what that looks like. So I love that. I feel like this has kind of been happening more and more over the past so many years and love to see that you two, um, obviously as women, but as moms as well are saying like, we want to do this for our employees here at Bybee. So really cool. And thanks for sharing that experience. So let's talk a little bit about, we've touched on it and I want to make sure we have enough time. We've got some fun lightning round questions, but I would love to touch on with both of you. um, You talked about funding. So Maul and I love Sarah Blakely. I think both of you, the founder of Spanx, we love Sarah. And we um, just spoke about her. We just talked about her a couple weeks ago in one of our episodes about how she ended up selling parts of part, part of Spanx, and um, she talked about women entrepreneurs and how it was a VC or who bought her was all women backed team, um, and she wants to kind of I think I, I could see Sarah's mission then becoming to help female entrepreneurs. So I am curious about, you know, Sarah's story. She talks all about she had $5,000 and kind of started Spanx and she was selling fax machines and that's kind of in, in built Spanx to a billion plus company. I'd love to hear you guys got funding. And, you know, a lot of times they say it's very much a man's world and she's very passionate about not as many women founders are getting funding where men are and it's more of this men's world. You guys got found funding and we hear a lot about it. It's it's insane. It's hard to get. It's a roadshow. I'd love to, we'd love to kind of hear a little bit about your journey to getting your funding. Congratulations. Um, but to getting your funding, what was the experience like? Oh goodness. Funding is, Uh, (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know what it is, um, the most thrilling and exhilarating, but hardest part of our roles, I think. Um, yeah, we, so we're a venture cat, a venture 
capital backed business. Um, so we have a number of VCs on our cap table. Um, the probably the most well known of those is Unilever Ventures, um, who are the VC arm of Unilever Corporate. So not not directly affiliated with um, Unilever as a, a corporate company, but the kind of um, yeah, the, the funding arm of them. Um, and we actually brought them into the brand um, in our seed raise, which was back in 2017, 2018. Um, so they've been with us for a few years now. Um, and then we've since done um, a Series A fundraise. Um, so we did a pre-seed, a seed and a Series A. Um, and then actually between those, we've done a couple of kind of bridge rounds as well, which is which is pretty commonplace, um, where you're kind of like not quite the size to move on to the next like, you know, and we we roll our eyes at Series A, Series B, like da da da. But yeah, you know, without for lack of a better way of defining what the next raise is. But you know, if you're between your kind of seed and your Series A, and you're not quite at the stage where you want to go out and do a big equity fundraise for your Series A, it's quite common now to do sort of like bridge. And there are a number of ways that they can kind of work. Um, so we've done a few a few bridge rounds. Um, and yeah, on along the way, we've kind of scooped up everyone from, you know, um, extended friends and family and our sort of like pre-seed when we were literally like out rattling a tin at, um, come on, throw us a few grand, like, <laughs> like in the early days, um, through oh, to um, high net worth individuals and some pretty impressive angels who have, um, you know, grown businesses themselves and now sort of stepped back slightly in a kind of um, investing. And then, of course, um, a couple of venture capital firms who are now on the cap table of, as well. So like I feel like we've been and seen a lot of it you know we've 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 seen a lot of the VC side of things and the way that that works um a lot of the kind of high net worth um individual and yeah the way that that works we've had a lot of exposure to it um yeah it's 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 really challenging I think as a founder when you're going through funding um you have to be um resilient really tough skinned you know we've probably had about like 98% no's and 2% yeses and that's really common like that if you ask any founder like you know there's there are founders out there um who have had you know no's and, and gone on to become you know unicorns so um you have to not take things personally and the best thing that we ever learned with our funding journey was whenever we got a no we would say okay like yep I understand like thank you so much can we have some solid feedback for why you won't be investing and actually really learning from that, you know, learning from why people have said no to you because you can kind of use that to tweak and evolve your pitch as, as you go. And then in the more kind of the, the, the later rounds of the more experience we got, what we do is kind of set things up so that, the ones that we felt less confident about, we do them all at the beginning, learn a whole load of things and then tweak our pitch so that when we were, you know, meeting the ones that we felt really passionately about, the ones that we really wanted to close, we'd had a bit of a warm up, almost like if you were kind of out interviewing for jobs, right? Like you might like go out and kind of like warm yourself up a little bit and do a few interviews just just to kind of like get a feel for the market and get yourself ready. And then you go and like try and land your, your dream job. It was sort of like that. And I think that was um, a really good strategy. And and yeah, just when you get a no, just not not taking it personally and, and trying instead to learn from it. Um, it's a numbers game as well. You have to, you know, for every, yeah, as I said earlier, the amount of no's that you get, you've got to be out speaking to like, your diary has to be absolutely packed full. And we've done that in real life, as well as um, like, 
yeah, so we've done like, you know, in real life coffees, like back to back coffees, as well as then fundraising through a pandemic and doing like literally we'd be on Zoom from like 8am. We're fundraising it based in the UK, but speaking to US. So we'd be through till 8pm, back to back to back Zoom. You've just got to have like the energy for it. You've got to get your get your mind and get your head in the game and just say, right, this is how it's going to be for the next probably six weeks. Um, and you know what, when you get that yes, when you close the one that you were really, really wanted, um, Ah, the feeling is like nothing else. It's like winning the biggest sales pitch of your career. Like it's just, you know, and it makes it makes the hard work worth it. Um, difficult as a as a female, I think, you know, the, the current stats are something like two percent of um all, all venture cap um venture back capital backed businesses are, are female owned. So the stats aren't in our favor, unfortunately. Um, but that's changing. I think that there's, you know, there are a lot of funds out there who are trying to kind of move the needle with that and, you know, really support females. So if you are a female, I would say kind of actively go out and try and find um, uh, investors who are who are kind of, yeah, trying to help um, females specifically. And then I think for us, the way that we kind of got introduced to a lot of these like VCs was just, you just have to take every coffee um, like ask the, ask every single person you know if they know somebody like you'd be surprised how far you can get within your own network and what happened was we sort of like got it out on the radar that we were fundraising um, back at the beginning like LinkedIn like literally reaching out to old colleagues just and people will just introduce you and you just don't ever say no to an introduction if you do, even if they don't seem relevant on the surface like it, you honestly you will either come away from that conversation with a new lead um or at least having learned something so I think just like really you've got to be like quite ballsy put yourself out there let people know you're fundraising and um don't be yeah don't be shy to ask for that introduction or, or that coffee and you, what you'll find is the waterfall effect of that network tends to open up doors for you Wow. So yeah, like um, no shame. It's like, we're going to go and meet everybody. But I have so many questions about eventually, and we don't need to share here, but like your pitch and like, how did you guys define it? And what were these coffee chats like? So I won't go, we won't go super into it, but I absolutely love it. And congrats. Like as we're talking and just hearing this, I'm like, ladies, not like badass. I love it. One question, if you don't mind, if we have some people listening who are curious, you know, maybe their side hustle is about to get real or they want their side hustle to get real. Do you mind if we ask, you talked about how when it was time to leave your current role, you had given yourself, you weren't going to pay yourself for a year's salary. Each of you decided that. Did you two invest any money in the company? Do you mind sharing that? Or was it all angel and, and seed funding and all that? We no, we did not invest any money into the company. But what we did in the early stages was take out loans that um, were kind of like personally liable for. So, okay. and, you know, we definitely put some money on the line, if you will. Um, cool. We got funded actually by a scheme in the UK um, called Virgin Startup, which is for very very early stage fun, uh, founders, um, and we both. Uh, were awarded 25k so 25,000 pounds it's about $30,000 each um but they were given to us as personal loans so it should have the business not worked out we would have been personally liable to repay that Ah. um and it's a great scheme in the UK it's a great way to set founders up for doing business plans cash flow forecasts it really puts some good um kind of principles in place at the very early stages. Um, and then they kind of award you set, you know, amounts based on where they think the viability of your business plan is. So £25,000 was the maximum, which was a great indication that they really believed in, in the business. So, you know, we weren't, unfortunately, you know, our savings were spent 
as Elsie said, to, to pay ourselves yeah. because we had revenue coming in and then we quite quickly secured this Virgin loan. Um, we did kind of have our site set on external funding quite early rather than trying to self-fund. Um, but, you know, right. people do that. Um, we actually spoke to another beauty founder the other day and she said, I started self-funding this and then I realized how much money <laughs> it needs. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm trying to fundraise. So I'm fortunately yeah. in the game of beauty, consumer goods, I would say generally it's really, really hard to build a business self-funded these days because the competition is rife. And unfortunately, um, it sometimes does come down to whoever has the deepest pockets to drive that awareness because the noise market is so noisy at this like very, very base level to, to break through and just get to that next level um, and even catch the attention of retailers, for example, is, is, is really challenging. So you do need that initial funding um and i would say it is it is quite hard to do it without a significant you know six figure injection of capital in the early stages okay that's a great advice and just really interesting here because i think i think some people think okay i'm going to save and put so much in and you know maybe as you said in some industries it works but in consumer goods and beauty it sounds like maybe 10% of the time you can put your own in but like funding is the answer here yeah so. and also you know i think it's a good indicator if you do put some money in yourself but you also don't want to put every penny that you own plus your house yeah <laughs> it's a yeah. you know to, to be real yeah. it's a hard game out there right like a lot of businesses yeah. fail and if you can mitigate your own risk and share that risk with you know someone else or someone that has a, a broader appetite for these things I would also encourage people to do that because you don't want to put yeah you don't want to put your everything you got on the line for a business um, that is, you know, in its very early stages at, at pre, you know, pre-traction, pre-concept, I would say as well. Very fair and very like, thank you for the advice, I think, for anybody for anybody listening. So Absolutely. congrats on the funding and appreciate you sharing um, your experience. As I said, uh, incredible and many more questions, but thank you. <laughs> we do want to make sure that we have the good old lightning round um, with the two of you. So I do want to say you do sell your products globally. Um, I, congratulations on Target in the US. That is no joke. You also, uh. no joke, like phenomenal. Um, also, Sephora as well in boots here in London in the UK. Oh yes. Yeah. Sephora in the US or Sephora online? No, Sephora um Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand. So awesome. yeah. Yeah. Truly Maybe global. Target in the US. If you're yeah, if you're in the US, like head down to Target and Pick That's up where it's at. for us. <laughs> yes. And you sent us a couple kits. I felt like an influencer. So thank you so much. <laughs> and I've been using my, let me make sure it's Babe Balm that I've been using. I love that. My oat milk cleanse is amazing. And my spritz that I used when I was in Hawaii was my favorite thing of all time. Megan. Yes. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> so it's Vibe. All of our listeners, we have we have a global audience, but heavily in the US. Please target. But um target and then all the other places as well. And on your website, it shows all of that too, correct? Yeah. Great. So let's go into lightning round. These are quick, speedy answers. Um, so let's see what we've got. For the first one up, is one thing that you wish you knew before you started this whole entrepreneurial journey? Who's going first? Me. <laughs> I see. Take it away. Can predict what you're going to say as well. <laughs> um, okay, it's really difficult, but it's totally worth it. Ah, oh, so good. 
Okay, what about if I wasn't doing Bybee, I would be Dominica. Doing some other chaotic, stressful, high intensity <laughs> startup <laughs> where we were destined to be founders. Okay. I love, love that. You feel in your soul. The entrepreneur and founder was your calling. So good. I love that. Okay. How about this? Biggest pinch me moment as a founder? Uh, launching into Target 1800 doors in the US. Still awesome. haven't seen it in real life. Can't believe oh, that. So good. <laughs> so incredible. We need to go visit Molly. We'll all go visit Mall and we will hit oh. up every Target. It's, I miss it more than anything living in London and we'll go. I, I will be going and, and making some purchases. Okay, speaking of that, which Bybee product should our listeners go buy right away? If it's their first one, what should they buy? Our best-selling product is our Bacuchal Booster, which is a retinol alternative. It's a natural retinol, delivers amazing results, but none of the negative side effects. And it's only $9.99 at Target. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> you guys, retinol. Under $10. Oh my gosh. On the $10 retinol. You had it here first. <laughs> yeah. And that like retinol is like the number one thing I've needed as I've as I've gotten older and gotten into my skincare routine. Retinol is uh, the answer. It. So awesome. We all need it. Love that. Um, maybe each of you, best business tip that you would give to any side hustlers or entrepreneurs out there. Learn from your failures. Mm. They're not bad they can actually be made into opportunities if you have the right mindset. Mm. You've just got to have that mindset. It's really important. Mm. That's a Dominica, good one. anything you would add on that one? Yeah, I would say mindset as a founder is the most important mm. thing that you can have. Like to have a clear vision and a steadfast mindset is you, you've got to be pretty resilient. Yeah, that's stamina. You got to have that stamina. Stamina, yeah. self-motivation. Um, these are all the attributes that make a successful founder calm under pressure, can handle stress, think clearly, make quick decisions. These are all like very important attributes to be a successful founder, I would say. There's no luck. Um, luck doesn't no. come into it. <laughs> yeah, if we were Guy Raz here, we would finish on that. So, <laughs> yeah. yes. No, I do feel like we're... Uh, <laughs> We're moving into a different style of podcast here, but anyway. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead before we yes. get a secret sauce. Um, okay. Well, we've already talked about where we can buy Bybee, right? You've you've told us Sephora in some countries, Target in the US. Yeah. Um, what about this one actually? Where do you express the most gratitude um as you think of how you run your business? How does how does gratitude get expressed? Oh, that is a big one. Um, uh, probably among each other. Like, I feel like we're probably, yeah, and to our team, to the people that we work with. I think we are endlessly grateful for the hard work that one another and our team put in. And I think we're, yeah, constantly kind of ex expressing that love. Okay, let's go into it. So for each of you, we like to kind of finish we like to finish the interview on or the conversation with what do you believe is maybe we'll go with since you've started, you know, Bybee from the beginning of coming together and being business partners to where you're at today. What do you think your secret sauce is to being a successful entrepreneur and founder? Our sales pitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you two both, but here's the thing, you both were in sales before you did this. And it's, it sounds like it, that helped kind of as you built this company. Again, if you think about the attributes of a good salesperson, kind of like the, they're mostly the ones I mentioned earlier. It's very akin to um, being a founder. It's relationship building, it's network, it's confidence, it's being motivated by money and revenue targets, but also, you know, finding that motivation rather than, um, you know, causing stress. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the same attributes, which I, and, and it is genuinely why I think in part we've been successful. Obviously, there's like an echelon above that. Not every good salesperson can be a founder. You have to be visionary you have to spot a gap in the market you need a good product market fit you know there's loads of things um Mm. but I think people are really creative these days in in finding opportunities so outside of that which is a really obvious one like you obviously have to have a good business idea to be a founder I would say these are more attributes of a personality type that I think be you know um facilitates a successful founder Love that. Okay. So good. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I feel thankful right now. I have a sales background. So we will wrap <laughs> Guys, on. Up for success. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crack on. <laughs> Right. We will, we will wrap on that. And I also want to make sure our listeners know you guys are carbon. Your, your goal is to be negative carbon footprint. And I think that is huge. I I don't know a ton about that, but I also know it is not easy to get to that place, especially as a beauty brand, I feel like. So I want to make sure that we highlight that and it's incredible work that you're doing for our planet and the environment as well. So not only are you building a company, you're choosing to add that, which I think is a beautiful choice, but I I can assume it's an an extra layer on the entire thing. Even if it's a passion, it's an extra layer. And I think that's very admirable. Thank you. Yeah, it absolutely makes our job about a a million times harder, but we're future-proofing the business. This this stuff is going to be like, it it will be a a a, a need to have, not a nice to have, in like eighteen months time. So, yeah, financial as well as a, a personal passion of both of ours to do better. I love that phrase, future proofing. I feel like that I, we could have a whole episode on future proofing <laughs> life. So good, yeah, so good. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your journey. Congratulations on your success. And it's just great to see you and and meet both of you. And yes. I feel like I feel honored that um I got your time got time from you and got to learn from you and hear your story. So mm-hmm. huge congrats on your success and wishing you more. And I'm gonna get more Bybee stuff because I don't have I need to purchase more at Boots in London. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thank thank you both so much for being here and congratulations on an incredible story and all of your success and hard work. It's, it's really amazing to hear. So thank you for sharing it with us and the saucers. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.